Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Bump your neighbor a high five, tell them they look good in church, and you can be seated. I want to talk this morning briefly about the difference between the facts and the truth. And I'm not talking about that old machine sitting on a desk somewhere, the fax machine. I'm talking about a fact, like, like presenting something as a truth. Here, let me give you a, a definition of a fact. A definition of a fact is this. A thing that is indisputably the case. A thing that is indisputably the case. For instance, uh, the, we have Christmas lights in our church. That is indisputably the case. Uh, we have uh, guitars on the platform. That is indisputably the case. I have excellent hair. That is indisputably <laughs> the case. Why are y'all laughing? <laughs> Indisputable, indisputably the case. That is a fact. But as a Christian, we do not ignore the facts. We just put the facts subordinate or underneath the truth. The truth, a definition I found for that this week, a fact or belief that is accepted as true. You can be experiencing something and not accepting it at the same time. You can be experiencing a symptom and not accepting it at the same time. Let me give you an example. Just by just small, just little small changes in your vocabulary, you can change your whole life. The minute that you begin to stop talking about a symptom as if it was yours and start talking about a symptom as if it was uh, 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 violating or trespassing on your body, now all of a sudden things begin to get a little different. We're not denying the facts. We're just not accepting them as true. So if the Bible says I am healed by the stripes on Jesus' back, if I end up, uh, if it looks like I lose my fight with whatever disease tries to come on my body, I have not lost it all because get this, heaven is not a penalty. When it comes to being healed, you either get healed instantly, you either get healed eventually, but 100% of the time, Christians are healed eternally. Come on, give God a big hand of praise. We don't serve a dead God. So the facts are, uh, we go through things. The facts are, things happen. So uh, let me give you one fact. Uh, sometimes, as a Christian, you will go through the valley of the shadow of death. You will go through some things. If you do not go through some things, then odds are you're not making a difference for the kingdom and the devil hasn't paid any attention to you. So whenever you're going through some things, it doesn't mean you've done something wrong. On the contrary, you might be doing a whole lot right and the enemy just doesn't like it. So you begin to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, the Bible never says the valley of the shadow of death does not exist. The valley never says that the valley of the shadow of death is not a real thing. The Bible says, yea, though I walk. Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
And it doesn't say that there's nothing scary. It doesn't say evil doesn't exist. It says you won't fear evil. And it doesn't say you won't fear evil because evil hasn't showed up. It says you won't fear evil because thou art with me. So you're going to go through the valley of the shadow of death, but you're not going to be afraid because God himself is with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I have three little children. My, my oldest one is, or my youngest one is five years old. Her name is Trinity Bell. And one of the things that my kids love to do as much or more than anything else at our house is they love to ride the golf cart through the pasture out where the cows are. And we ride out there and almost without exception, Trinity says, Daddy, I want to pet one of the cows. And, and I said, okay. She said, I don't want to pet the bull. I want to pet the cows. I said, okay, no problem. I said, I said well, you're going to have to be real still. Maybe one of them will walk up to us. Because if you've never been around cows out in the field, if they're not, you know, uh, pets, typically you can't walk up to one. But if you'll get still long enough, the curiosity in these things, they'll walk right up to you. So we'll sit there, we'll be real still, and, and the closer the cows get, what happens is, the closer she gets to me. And it's not because she's, uh, uh, it's not because she, she doesn't lose her fear because the cows go away. She loses her fear because she realizes her daddy is with her. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Not because there's not scary things in the world. We fear no evil because God is with us. When we said yes to Jesus Christ, we became a family member of the family of God. Now our Father in heaven never leaves us, never forsakes us. The Holy Spirit goes everywhere with us. So you could be standing surrounded by demons or some other scary thing or anything you could imagine. But you don't have to be afraid, not because they're not scary, but because He is with you. There is a power. When you recognize that God is with you, you don't walk through anything the same. Let, let me tell you how it's going to look. You're going to go through the valley of the shadow of death, and, and there's going to be two options. You're going to go through, and when you go through, you're either going to get to the other side. That, okay, over here's the, the start of the valley of the shadow of death. And, and then this part in here, this is the valley of the shadow of death. So just now I'm in the shadow of death. I'm in the valley. Now I'm starting to come up. Now I've made it to the other side. Now we're all on the same page. There's the start. There's the finish. When I get to the other side, Two options. I'm either going to have to repent for doubting in the valley again. Or I'm going to be able to shout and clap and thank God and tell the devil, I told you he was going to bring me through. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. The only question is, is how are you behaving in the valley? Are you doubting God? Are you, are you putting your effort and your energy away from what God has said? Or are you gravitating to the fact that God is making a way for you even when you can't see it? You see, faith is not what we can see. Faith is what we cannot see. John chapter 11 verse number 1 says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany in the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that same Mary that anointed Jesus with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, chronologically, that hasn't happened yet. His sister is going to anoint Jesus in the next chapter, uh, is going to anoint Jesus with oil in the chapters to come and wipe his feet with her hair. And it's going to be a very powerful uh, anointing for his burial, but plus it's going to be a thanks, a thankful anointing uh, because Jesus is going to heal or raise Lazarus from the dead. 
Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And when he heard, therefore, that, that Lazarus was sick, he abode two days in the same place where he was. So Jesus is out doing what Jesus does, spreading the good news of the kingdom, ministering to those around, enjoying the fact that God had sent him to uh, uh, preach uh, deliverance to those who needed it. And all of a sudden, he gets word that one of his very dear friends is sick. And the Bible says that uh, the sisters sent word, which is uh, very much a form and type of prayer. In other words, there was something wrong. So instead of just uh, talking about it, they literally sent word to God. The Bible says that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Sent word to the Son of God to say, your friend who you love is sick and you need to come heal him. And the Bible says that Jesus definitely loved Lazarus, definitely loved Martha, and definitely loved Mary, yet he waited two days before he even began his journey back to Bethany. Number one, if you're taking notes, there is always a difference between your timing and God's timing. There is always a difference between your timing and in God's timing. You're going to go through things. You're going to experience things. And if you're like me, you're going to wish that some things you could go through a little quicker. And you're going to wish that some seasons would last a little longer. But God's timing is far superior than any timetable we can come up with. Because Lazarus' sickness was not going to end in death. But there was something powerful about knowing that God is on the way even though you can't see God on the way. There's something about staying in faith and believing God even when nothing that you're seeing in the natural gives any indication that you should. The Bible says Jesus goes on and he's ministering. Then he begins to have a conversation with his disciples. And he says, these things said he, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I might awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was talking about him just resting. And Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. You see, when Jesus first told them that Lazarus was dead, he said he's asleep. And the reason he said that he is asleep is because whenever you are in Christ Jesus, when you know the Lord, death does not exist for you. Come on, somebody say amen. Death does not exist for your loved one that's in Christ. It is no different than you kissing your children or your grandchildren good night and telling them see you in the morning to the Lord. That's the same thing that death has become to a believer because to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. There is something very strong when Jesus says he is not, he is asleep. That's because in 1 Thessalonians later we would write, I wouldn't have you guys ignorant about those that sleep. In other words, I want you to be completely and totally informed that there is a difference between somebody dying in faith and somebody not dying and somebody dying outside the faith. There is a difference. Those that sleep in Christ, they are not like the world. In other words, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. There is a shift that takes place when you say yes to Jesus. Yes. 
So Jesus said, listen, he goes, he goes, he's actually dead. I want to make sure you guys understand this. He said, however, this is not going to end in death. In other words, when Jesus spoke that, it was as final as if it had already happened. When Jesus said this thing won't end in death, it was as if everything had already taken place. Time passes and Jesus decides to go to Bethany because it's time for him to go wake his friend up. Verse 20, the Bible says, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Martha sat still in the house. But Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha unto Jesus said, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you ask God, God will give it to you. If you are going to live a life filled with effective faith, you got to know when to butt in and when to butt out. She sits there and she starts off almost saying, oh, if you'd have just been here, God, if you'd have just this, and, and if we're being honest, we've been there before. God, I wish you'd have done this. If you'd have this, if this had happened earlier, I wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have done that. But the moment that you find yourself beginning to lean in the area of unbelief or doubt or anything outside the Word of God, immediately you've got to throw a butt in there and say, but I know that your plans for me are for good and not evil. But I know that you'll make a way for me where there was no way. But I know that you're changing things on my behalf. There is a powerful thing when you realize when to butt in and when to butt out. Let me tell you when to butt out. You butt out when you find yourself doubting. And you butt in whenever you find an opportunity to believe God's word. There is something very powerful about this exchange because... If, if I was Jesus, I would have told her something along the lines of, now listen, you, you, you should know me by now. You, you should have experience. Didn't you, don't you remember? I turned the water into wine. Don't you remember? I, I raised a little girl. Don't you remember? I fed 5,000 people. Your brother has nothing to worry about. But she says, whatever uh, you ask God, I know he'll give you. And Jesus said unto her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he'll rise in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You see, she thought resurrection was an event. But resurrection is a person. His name is Jesus. He is the resurrection. He is the life. The other sister comes out now and meets Jesus. And the Bible says that when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying unto him, if you'd have just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, the Jews weeping also which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and he was troubled and he said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Shortest verse in our whole Bible. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave with a stone laid on it. Sounds familiar. Jesus said, Take you away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. Everything sounds funnier to me in the King James. He stinketh. For he had been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, 
Said I not unto thee that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that you have heard me. And I knew that you heard me always. But because the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was once dead, he that was dead, came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto him, loose him and let him go. The first sister comes weeping. If you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. What I want you to hear is the shift in the story. Because I am sick of hearing about a weak Jesus. There is no weak Jesus in the Bible. The Bible says that they threatened him and told him, if you'll just talk, this is when he was on trial, if you'll just talk, I have the power to let you go. And he rose up and he says, you have no power over me. I could call 12 legions of angels right now. They're sitting at the ready with swords drawn. They could wipe this entire thing out. Don't you even think you have power over me. No man takes my life. I lay it down. There is no weak Jesus in the Bible. He walks up to the, to the, the first uh, sister comes and she's weeping. And the Bible says she's pouring out her tears and she's wailing. And the Bible says, she says, if you'd have just been here, he wouldn't have died. But whatever you say will happen. And he says, you don't worry about it, sister. He says, I'm about to bring something to your brother. Oh, I know he's going to raise in the dead in the resurrection. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. You're looking for something that's standing in front of you. The next sister comes and falls on her face and begins to grab him and cry. And she's weeping and she's weeping. And Jesus sits there. And then all of a sudden the Bible says he groaned in his spirit. The original translation is what's most important here because it's not a groan at all. It's not a weeping. It's not a wailing. It's not a sorrowful thing. The Bible literally says in the original translation, it says he snarled or he snorted in anger. That's a little bit different Jesus. All of a sudden, he recognizes that death, you see, death causes chaos. Everywhere death goes, it's chaotic. You had people crying everywhere. You had a grave. You had all the problems that go along with death. Nobody ever wants to go. Let let me tell you something. Every funeral you you ever go to is going to be inconvenient. Because death creates chaos. You have to change things. You have to move things. Something has to shift. And death was holding his friend. And life itself is beginning to walk like a gunslinger from your favorite western towards death itself. And there's about to be a showdown even before Calvary. He's walking in the direction. And all of a sudden, the other sister comes and she's just crying. And you got to understand, Jesus doesn't kind of love you. He loves you. I mean, loves you more than you could imagine. In your worst moment, if you found yourself hidden in a corner, ashamed of what you have done, Peter, he would call you by name. You tell my disciples and tell Peter that I have risen just like I said. 
I am the resurrection. I am the life. She's weeping. She's crying. And Jesus looks around and he feels all the pain from all the Jews and the friends and the family all around. And he just, ah, where is he? said, he's over here, Lord. He's making his way. And the Bible said, Jesus wept very different word than Mary and Martha's tears. Mary and Martha's tears, when it says they wept, it indicates that, that they were just wailing and crying and hurt and harmed. This just indicated that tears flowed. Not an overwhelming wailing and nothing weak at all. I remember when I was a kid, I have what you would call, I think they call it an attitude problem. And, and I don't know if I had a short fuse, but it wasn't long. And I could get so angry and ready to rawr. I wouldn't start crying, but tears would come in my eyes. Jesus said, where is he? He said, over here, Lord, come and see. And they're walking, and everybody's seeing the tears come out of his eyes. And they said, wow, he really loves Lazarus. Can I just say this? You are a Lazarus to him too. Before you know him, you are dead in your trespasses and he weeps for you wanting to call you from a grave that you didn't even know you were stuck in. And he's walking towards him. Where is he? And the Bible says again, he groaned again. Where is he? That grave? I'm sick of the grave. Move the stone out of the way. One sister said, Lord, he stinks now. Some of you have dreams that are so old, that are so stale, that have become so stagnant that you feel like there's no life available to them. And God says, if you'll move the stone, I'll bring the life. You see, Ephesians says, having done all to stand, but we got to make sure we've done all before we stand. If they had not moved the stone, I believe there'd be a bag of bones still laying there. Because God doesn't call us to do what He can do. He calls us to do what we can do. And then He does the rest. The scripture says that second time he groaned, he snarled, he snorted, he, he, he just he was just so caught up. With the fact that death was causing all of this chaos to the people that he loved so much. He said, get the stone out of the way. They moved the stone. The Bible says he looks up to heaven. He says, Dad, I know you hear me all the time. But for the sake of everyone listening, hear me now. And his gaze turns to that tomb wherein lays his very good friend. The Bible says, Lazarus, whom he loved. And the Bible says he cried, and not boo-hoo cried. That word is the word shouted. He shouted. 
Lazarus get out of that grave now and the Bible says that Lazarus though he was still wrapped in grave clothes with his face covered up he has actually his spirit had been in a place called Abraham's bosom and he was reminiscing with all the heroes of faith he was going David show me that sling you got Abraham teach me about faith Moses talk to me about some tablets and all of a sudden his entire being was sucked back into his body and he lay dormant for this long until the voice of God himself cried out and said come he stood to his feet and he says I don't just want to be in heaven I want to be anywhere Jesus is he came out and Jesus says this to his friends he goes loose him and set him free Jesus still says the same thing today I want to loose you and set you free I want to see your dreams come to pass. I want to see those dead areas that have been dead so long that they're stagnant, dormant, and might even stinketh. I want you to move the stone and watch me work. Proverbs 3. Acknowledge him and get this. All your ways and he will direct your path. All your ways. This is what the Lord's saying today. Move the stone. If there's an area that, and let me tell you how to identify the area that God wants to access. It's anything that you've kept from Him. Any area where you felt like, I got to do this on my own. Oh, He already saved me. He already did all this. I don't want to weigh Him down with this prayer. That's the prayer He wants. That's the thing. And the reason I know he wants it is because the enemy is fighting so hard to keep the stone between you and him. Because if the stone doesn't move, let's all stand to our feet. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I have some dreams. Oh, thank you, Lord. I hear that. Bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you're not right with God, you're not living right, you're not doing right, Jesus is not Lord of your life, Jesus would say this to you today. Come out of there now. Come out of that dead place. You don't have to, listen, you have to choose Jesus alone, but you don't have to live for Him alone. Maybe you'd say it differently. You'd say, I used to walk strong with God, but I'm backslidden. I'm like the prodigal son. I've gone away from Him. Today's the day when I want to get right. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. And with an uplifted hand, you're not joining a church. You're not joining a denomination. You're just saying, Jesus, remember me and, and listen to me. He really, really will. He really will. He'll wrap you in arms that never fail. He'll resurrect those dead areas of your life, those dead dreams. He'll cause them to walk again. If that's you and you never said yes to Jesus or maybe it's been a while and you just know you feel it in your heart the Bible describes it as being pricked in your heart if that's you when I count to three just lift your hand with an uplifted hand you're just saying pray for me and we really will one, two, three lift it up high wow I see that hand 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 thank you I see that hand I see that hand thank you 
Is there anyone else? We'll pray in just a second, but I don't want to rush this. If you lifted your hand, do you want it to lift both hands to heaven right now? Matter of fact, church, let's all pray together. Lift your hands. Say this after me. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I'm a Christian on my way to heaven. I will walk in life all the days on this earth in Jesus name amen amen praise God listen church if you lifted your hand and you wanted to and you prayed that prayer let me just talk to you for a second Christians do three things number one Christians pray if you don't know how to pray you talk to God like you're talking to your very best friend because that's what he wants to be number two Christians read their Bible if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. We have some. Uh, just stop by the tent. We'd love to give it to you free of charge. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Number three, Christians go to church. If you live within 100 miles of right here, welcome to New Heights Church. Welcome home. Come on, give God a hand of praise. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.